Hi, everybody. So I am here uh, to do a special Google Hangout. I heard right when I was looking at the Oscar nominations today, I heard about the death of Alan Rickman, and it made me really sad. And oh, shoot. Sorry. Is it working? Let me just turn this off. Okay. Um, and I. So I really wanted to do something to remember Alan Rickman, and I, I didn't feel like just adding him onto my Oscar reaction video was was good enough. And so I asked my brother if he would be willing to join me, and we can talk about some of his movies. And he was kind enough to uh, do that. Do you want to introduce yourself, Sam? Um, well, I'm Sam, Rachel's brother. Uh, I've seen a lot of Alan Rickman movies. You know, his death is pretty tragic, so I thought I'd join her in talking about this. I really appreciate it. You know, he was 69, and he died of cancer, which takes so many of our best people. I think every family has been affected by that in some way. So it's really sad. Um, yeah. And we're just going to go through, obviously I didn't have a ton of time to prepare for this, but we're just going to go through what I think of as sort of his iconic films and feel free if I don't mention one that you like to, to, to bring that up. I also have the chat room open on the YouTube page, uh, which I will try my best to manage. So if you have feedback, comments, uh, things you love about the films, please put them in the chat room. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, the first film that we're going to talk about is according to IMDb, it was his first movie role. He did some TV, he did some TV movies, mm -hmm. and it was Die Hard. This is 1988, and he played Hans Gruber. Yep. <laughs> and I just actually saw, <clears throat> excuse me, I just actually saw Die Hard for the first time last February, I think it was. Yeah, I saw it in like October or November. Oh, so you just saw it recently as well. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's definitely you can see why it has become so iconic in the world of action movies. Oh, for sure. And I don't know. What do you think about the movie as a whole, and particularly, uh, and then we can talk about Hans Gruber as a character and Rickman's performance. But why do you um, think that? Yeah. yeah, I love the movie. I think it's, like, looking back, I just loved it, pretty much every second of it. It's just full action. Um, I tried to watch the sequel. Um, didn't do much for me. <laughs> yeah. But um, Alan Rickman in the movie is, like, he's actually really good. And I think one part that's, like, um, pretty exceptional is when he pretends to be a hostage <laughs> and, like, has to change his accent. <laughs> You remember that part? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that is he, like, really good. He tricks him. So he has a couple of, you know, spots in that movie where he really shines and it's Well, that's the thing I think is so strong about the film is that he's so smart. Yeah. He's smarter. He's the smartest person in the movie. And you almost never see that in an action movie in particular, but particularly uh, I mean, you almost never see that at all in villains, but particularly action movie villains, you almost yeah. never see. Like, occasionally we'll see a Joker 
or somebody like that that's you know really smart but uh but for an action movie it's extremely rare for sure even just his basic plan is really smart <laughs> uh, to 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 have this front of of hostages on christmas you know, when everybody's going to be gone, everybody's going to be kind of a thing. It makes sense to have this front of we're going to pretend to be this terrorist organization taking hostages. But the real thing is to steal the money, the $640 million uh, from the Nakatomi Corporation. And so, you know, it would have, it, he, he should, it should have worked. It was so close to working. And I don't know, I just think that's part of the reason why it's he's so memorable is because he is so smart. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely breaks kind of the trope of a dumb action movie villain, so that's nice. Yeah, I mean, if you think of it compared to... He's certainly smarter than any James Bond villain I could think of. It just depends, I guess. But yeah, there's... You know. Certainly, it's like... Besides the very end, I guess, he's just trying to kill him. He's not trying to, like, set up an elaborate trap or something. And yeah. It's not. He doesn't, like, right. yeah, let him get out of the situation. I guess there's been a few Bond villains that were as smart, but he's he. I just think his plan is so solid. And, and that's what I really like about his character. It makes you interested in what he has to say. I think also there's a lot of humor. Hmm in his character yeah well him and bruce willis kind of bounce off of each other so <laughs> uh, our aunt kate richard says i didn't think i don't think it takes much to be the smartest person in a diehard movie <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's uh, you can make that point i guess but the plan is pretty smart i don't it's know if i was bruce willis i don't think i would would have survived <laughs> No. <laughs> I mean, part of what makes the movie work, I think, is that it's just so palatable and it's so, like, it, it feels like, I mean, just things for, like, when he's stepping on glass. That's my probably my favorite scene in the movie because it feels like he's really stepping on glass. There's no, like, you know, dodging explosions. And there are some explosions, but I don't know. It just feels palatable. It feels real. And I think he he just makes it so much fun. Yeah. And I haven't seen any of the sequels. So. Uh, I watched the second one, and it's okay. It's just there and it's good. Yeah. Um, so what's the next see. movie on your list? <laughs> um, okay. Let's just see if I have anything else to say about that. But um, okay. So the next, he also does have some pretty funny lines as far as the ho, 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 you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next film is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm -hmm. And this was in 1991. Have you seen this movie? I don't think so. I haven't seen it in a long time, I'll be honest. But it's not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> but he plays the sheriff, <laughs> Sheriff Nottingham. Okay. And he is one of those examples of somebody in a bad movie that gives a good performance. Right. He's very brutal. He's ruthless. He's violent. He's mean. You know, like there's no sort of, you know, campiness at all. You know, that say you get in the Disney one or some of the older ones. 
uh, this, I mean, the reason why it's a bad movie is because Kevin Costner is really bad in it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I can't really imagine Alan Rickman giving a bad performance for some reason. Yeah, that's right. It just seems that he's really, was a solid actor all around. Yeah, I mean, and he was able to get so many notes. We think of him as this villain, but we'll see now some other things that he is able to... He's a fully rounded actor, which with something as big as your first role to be Hans Gruber, for him to break out of that is pretty impressive. But definitely in Robin Hood, he is a beast. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, it's just Kevin Costner has an American accent and he, he's really hamming it up and it just is a terrible performance in my memory. But Alan Rickman is, is very, very good and menacing in the part. So that was the next one I had. So I have down Sense and Sensibility. Yes. So that's my next one. Okay. 1995. And so have you seen this film? Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, you know, Jane Austen is near and dear to my heart. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, uh, and Kate does also add in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, that uh, Rickman brought a great humor to the role also. And there, that's definitely true. There's a sarcasm kind of to most of his villain parts, even when we get to Snape later on. Yeah. The kind of that always seems to sort of work. Uh, maybe... Maybe not in all of them, but in most of them. But, uh, okay. So, we, so, Sense of Sensibility. This is a really different part for him. Yeah. Compared to these other films we've been talking about. And, basically, the character of Colonel Brandon uh, is this older man who sort of falls in love with Kate Winslet, which, how can you not, right? And she has fallen in love with let me turn that off she has fallen in love with this with this guy named Willoughby who's this like good looking young rogue kind of character and of course he has to sit and watch as uh, and we we find out through the course of the movie I should have said I guess at the beginning there are going to be some spoilers <laughs> in this video <laughs> whatever but yeah uh, you always have to say that in the internet world, but yeah. um, so anyway, we find out that there is more to Colonel Brandon than we first realized when he has to leave a party that's being thrown at his house under great distress. And we don't really know why. And then later on, we find out that we, we find out why he has this meeting with Eleanor um, because he's trying to find out if if Marianne and Colonel Brandon are engaged. I mean, uh, Marianne and Willoughby are engaged. And it's just such a vulnerable, tense, like he's such an honorable man. And then there's two other really tense conversations between Eleanor and Colonel Brandon. Uh, one, where after Willoughby and Marianne have broken up, he comes and tells her, tells Eleanor about the reason why he left the party. And that was because his guard, his guard, not his guard, his, the child he is the guardian of, uh, that was the child of his love 
um, that she has she was wooed by Willoughby and then left pregnant and abandoned. And so that's why he had to leave at the party. And so he's telling her this, I don't know, just to, to let him, let her know that there's a reason why he left her, that it wasn't because he didn't love her, you know, and it's just a really honorable heartfelt, you, you just feel the vulnerability in the performance. And then, and then the final scene that we get with her, him and Eleanor is when he's, he offers to provide a, a lodging, a, a living for Edward and Lucy when they're being turned out because he feels sorry for them. And so there's just this great scene <laughs> where Eleanor is in love with Edward and here Colonel Brandon is asking her to tell Edward that he, that Colonel Brandon will help, help them. And anyway, so he's just like a really kind, really compassionate, honorable man. So I don't know. What do you think about any of those scenes or the character? Um, to be honest, it's been forever since I've seen it. And I think when I did see it, I was probably asleep 90% of the time. <laughs> uh, Not a favorite so, of yours then. Well, it sounds like a movie that I would watch kind of with my sisters and just <laughs> fall asleep on the couch, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. I remember seeing it. I don't yeah. remember very much about it. Well, I just think what's remarkable is that like, it should be a character that we don't really bond with because he's so much older than Marianne and Marianne's just had this, this crazy romance with this dashing young man. And here's this old kind of frumpy guy, <laughs> but because it's Alan Rickman and because he has sacrificed so much and he's been such a good man, you're so happy. You're happy at the end when they get together you know, which on paper you really shouldn't be. And I think that shows a lot to him and his performance. And, uh, so I really, I do really love, uh, really love him in the film. And I think that Ang Lee does a, a really good job directing the film as in, in general, mm -hmm. of just creating tension in the sense that people are sitting a lot. <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, just that you're waiting for things to happen and there's just this growing tension of waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and not being in control of your own life. If that makes sense. Like Colonel Brandon's waiting, Marianne's waiting, Eleanor's waiting. <laughs> and I think that that leads to really, you know, interesting characters and, you know, it's partly the genius of Jane Austen, but okay. So the next a movie that we're going to talk about, and I'm really excited to talk about this one, <laughs> is from 1999. This is Galaxy Quest. Never even heard of it. What? You haven't <sighs> seen Galaxy Quest? No. Oh my gosh, it's so good. You have to see it. Like, I'm being completely new in here. It's hilarious. Um, it... Uh, it <laughs> I, I can't believe you haven't seen it. Uh, he he basically plays this. Uh, it's just like a spoof uh, on Star Trek. Kind kind of, but I've never watched an episode of Star Trek in my life, and uh, I still find it hilarious. 
it's it's kind of a spoof on Star Trek, spoof on fandoms, spoof on TV, spoof on everything. And basically, like, he plays this man named Ale- Alexander Dane. <laughs> and he, they are, him and Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver are part of this team that are part of this show called Galaxy Quest. And he's like this uppity actor who the very first line you hear from him is uh, they're at like a comic-con and the very first line you hear from her is i played richard the third and got five curtain calls (laughs) he's like i'm not going out there i'm not gonna do it and i'm not gonna say that line his famous line (laughs) he's just really sarcastic and he's really funny and (laughs) basically the plot of the movie is that aliens come down and they've seen the show and they think that the show is real. Mm-hmm. And so they like abduct the actors who are in costume uh, at Comic-Con and take them to, to fight the, the, the uh, evil aliens who are, but, and it sounds stupid, but it's so funny and so well-written and there's really great banter between him and Tim Allen and uh, his big line that he hates is, by Grabothers, Grabothers Hammer, you shall be avenged. And everybody like will come up to him and say, say the line, say the line. And I don't know. It's really funny. And just his expression and the way that he talks. And I really like uh, in one, there's one scene where him and Tim Allen are, are talking and says, uh, he says, you're just going to have to figure out what it wants. What is the, what is its motivation? Talking about the, the evil alien. Mm-hmm. And the Tim Allen says, it's a rock monster. It doesn't have motivation. <laughs> and, and he says, see, that's your problem, Jason. You were never serious about the craft <laughs> of the acting. <laughs> yeah. It's a really funny movie. You should see it. I'll have to check it out. It's good to know. Yeah, it's really good. So, all right. Well, okay. So then the next film that I wanted to talk about is 2003. And I am going to do all the Harry Potters together. Yeah. That just made the most sense. Well, we're only going to talk about three of the Harry Potters, but um, it's 2003. We're going to talk about Love Actually. And this one you probably haven't seen either, have you? No. No. So, I don't know if you know the conceit of Love Actually. Do you, have you heard of it? I, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Yeah. So, basically, like, it's telling all these different love stories. Mm-hmm. And you get all these great British actors, and it's the film that did that thing right. And yeah. the, the interesting thing about the – because him, Alan Rickman, and Emma Thompson, who's, like, my favorite. I love Emma Thompson. She plays – they play a couple – they're a married couple, and he, uh, I forget what his job is. He's a professor or something like that. Anyway, he is really tempted by this new secretary that is hired, and of course, the film is set around Christmas, and he buys her, buys the secretary a present, and Emma Thompson finds out about it because she thinks it's for her at first, and then he doesn't give it to her. And so, of course, she's devastated, and she finds out that he's 
you know, either being unfaithful or tempted to be unfaithful. And so it's, again, this character that you should just hate. It's Emma Thompson. You're going to be love Emma Thompson. But, but I don't know. Like there's, it's, it's somehow you, you do, you don't like what he's doing, but there's a human side to it mm-hmm. that, that makes you empathize with him at least. And it's a really, it's the one part in the movie that's sort of ends on, it ends ambiguously. You don't really know what's going to happen with this couple. And it's sort of the, the bad side of love, I guess, or the sad side of love. And it just makes the whole movie so much more well-rounded and less sticky than it would be uh, if it didn't have them in it. It didn't have him in it. And so it's, he does a, a good job in the performance and, and they seem like a really believable couple. I kind of wish they had done an actual movie day together because they had kind of chemistry and you felt like they were a married couple. So yeah. anyway, um, okay. Then next, uh, <laughs> Kate says, is there any other side to love? Well, yeah, I mean, you got the opposites, love and hate, you know? <laughs> uh, it's the uh, love turned bad, I guess, is, is, is what it is. But um, the sad, the heartbreak side of love, that's what it shows. Not the, you know, not just all the sort of twittering and, and happiness and everything else. But because there's plenty of that in the film. Anyway, okay, so next, 2007, we are going to talk about Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Mm-hmm. And I just literally finished watching this 15 minutes ago. Yes, I'm interested <laughs> in how you liked it. <laughs> um, I liked it better than I thought I would, Yeah. to be honest. Because it's so, like, it's almost like an animated movie in the, in the violence. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels so... It almost reminded me of like, a, like just in the sense of the violence, kind of reminded me of like Akira or a film like that, you know, that's like, yes, it's really violent, but it just feels so outside of any kind of reality. Right. Well, it, the, it, the it, ending it, still grossed me out. But. Yeah, the ending's pretty, pretty brutal. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's true, but it's, it's like dark and it's just still so stylized. Yeah. That it, it wasn't quite as bad, but it's definitely very violent and bloody but you got the great, you know, Sondheim songs hmm. and he's really bad in this. I mean, he's, he's a good actor, but he's boy, his most evil character. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's definitely a good performance. I just, I yeah. really love, I love the movie. I think there's so many parts of it just it- are awesome. What do you love about it? Um, I love the music. Uh, I, I think it's, I was just thinking about it, but remember, or do you actually notice how Sacha Baron Cohen's in the movie? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of funny. And it's just like, I, Johnny Depp is so good. and Yeah. I, I, need to I don't normally it. like Sacha Baron Cohen, but Sacha Baron Cohen, how do you say? Yeah. I don't normally like him. I find him kind of annoying, but I liked him in that. I thought he was good. Mm-hmm. And, I, I felt like it, I don't know. I just, I, it's the one, it's a Tim Burton movie. I actually appreciated his aesthetic. It kind of worked 
for the movie and in I don't know making it kind of that darkness yeah. kind of made it how do you explain it it kind of made it into a cartoon as opposed to it, it was more like a fantasy world yeah it's like in this situation the uh stylized like stylization worked for the plot and the characters as opposed to like something else like Batman. yeah as, as, yes as opposed to like his alice in wonderland which to me that didn't alan rickman's actually in that but um uh but to me that didn't work that's not the alice in wonderland that i know that's not the alice in wonderland that you know it's supposed to be about nonsense and fun and <laughs> joy and you know all that stuff and and sure, it has darker elements, but it was just his aesthetic didn't work. But for this, I felt like this is a really dark story, of course. Mm -hmm. um, and so I felt like it, it worked. It's basically a like a it's basically like a scary a scary movie. That sounds stupid, but it's basically like a scary story. If someone's going to tell you like a ghost story, yeah, it's kind of like that. And it reminded me of sort of Edward Scissorhands a little bit. Yeah. Or have you ever seen know? Sleepy Hollow? No. I haven't seen that one. It's like, I mean, all of his, when you come down to it, a lot of his movies are pretty similar, like as far as stylization, but. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of that. Well, and Helena Bonham Carter's really great in it. And, oh, yeah. and Alan Rickman isn't in the movie that much, but he's so evil. Yeah. <laughs> he's in it. And I was so impressed with the Pretty Woman song. Oh, yeah. He's good singer. Yeah. I mean, I think he's better in that song. He's better than Johnny Depp. Like, he has a nice, rich, full sound that surprised me. I don't know why it surprised me, but it did. Um, I mean, because he's basically, like, the whole story of Sweeney Todd is basically hinging on his evilness. <laughs> yeah. You know, because he's, like, taking Lucy, Barker's wife, and she ends up, you know, he, he rapes her, he drugs her, she ends up dying, and now he's, like, basically kidnapped, imprisoned Joanna. Uh, and I, you know, it's it's a really, you know, it's a, I love the Joanna songs. I thought that was really moving. But now he wants to marry her. He's basically raised her, and now he wants to marry her. Pretty creepy. Yeah, it's very creepy. <laughs> um, yeah, anything else you want to say about that one? Um, let's probably move on. Okay. All right, so now we're going to get to Harry Potter. <laughs> and I admit, I'm not a Harry Potter expert. I will do my best. I am not either. You know a lot more about it than I do. Maybe. Um, <laughs> okay, so I thought we'd talk about three that I think are the most important Snape movies. And that's just my opinion. Again, I'm not an expert. But the first one, I thought we'd just talk about the first Harry Potter movie. Okay. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Because this is where we get introduced to Severus Snape as the main antagonist, aside from Voldemort, of the movie. Yeah. And yet, we of course find out at the end of the film that that Snape is protecting him for some reason, that he protected him from the, the Quidditch match. So we're like, why? That's that weird. The first one? I think so. Isn't that the first one? The first one's... At the, at the Quidditch match? No, I'm pretty sure that's the second one. Oh, is that the second? Sorry. But, um... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
But anyway, we get introduced to, so I guess in the first and the second, um, we get introduced to Snape and we find out there's this, there's this interesting dynamic to him that he's like this bad guy. He hates Harry. He, you know, is really disdainful. That to me is the word that captures Snape the most. It's very disdainful. Yeah. And, you know, he's over Slytherin. He's always making life hard for Harry and the team and everything. And he hates Hagrid. (laughs) And so, you know, I don't know. It's just an interesting, what do you think about the early sort of Snape and how Rickman plays that character? Well, I think overall he does a good job in kind of playing a bad guy, but you can like see in his eyes that there's more to his character. You know what I mean? Like he pulls off kind of a more, I get deeper character than just, it's not a shallow performance at all. Yeah. And you know, I had already read the book by the, I've read most of the books by the time I really watched the movies Mm -hmm. at at the right age, you know? Yeah. So I already knew it was going to happen. Um, but when looking back, you can kind of see in all his performances, like he's not necessarily, I don't think he's necessarily a good character. I don't think the character is like a great person, but he's like doing things for the right. Like I don't know how to explain this. He's kind of a jerk in a lot of ways, but you you just never know until the ending that he's been doing all this I mean, all these great things behind that facade of, like, evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, you do get little hints kind of all the way, and you don't know kind of why, and that's sort of one of the questions throughout the whole series is, what's up with Snape? Mm-hmm. Why does Dumbledore trust Snape? I think that's a big question. Like, why does he have them working there? Why does he, uh, you know, why does he seem to have a pretty good relationship with, you know, between Dumbledore and Snape? That always seems weird until the end. And I just think there's sort of that sniveling, sarcastic disdain that's really entertaining in a villain character, especially one that you're going to be around for so long. You know, Dumbledore, I mean, not Dumbledore, Voldemort works because we really don't see him very much. Right. Sort of this presence of evil. But for for a villain that we're going to see a lot, you really, you kind of need that humor and that sarcasm, I think, to make it work. Otherwise, it's just overwhelming, especially for kids. Right. So, okay. So then the next one that I wanted to talk about was Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. So this is the sixth movie. Mm-hmm. And this is, I think, the most, well, well, I don't know. This is sort of his, one of his big movies. Right. Um, uh, he makes the unbreakable vow at the very beginning with Narcissa Malfoy. Uh, to help Draco kill Dumbledore. So you get that right at the very beginning, and you're like, oh my gosh, like you hate this guy. Holy cow. And, you know, and then, you know, Draco can't do it, of course. And, and so, so Snape kills Dumbledore. And that, I mean, do you remember what you first thought when you either read or saw, saw that? Oh, I was angry. <laughs> oh my gosh, so angry. <laughs> well, it's like after that, Harry chases him down, and you're just like, "Come on, kill him! <laughs> Come on!" Yeah, you want him to be dead. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like, I think that that movie, as far as I remember, doesn't really have 
a lot of like good Snape moments. Like it's mostly like they just portray him as like a pure evil kind of guy in that movie until the next one where they kind of explain why he did all the things that he did in that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's more just like you're just building up this hate for yeah. him. And Harry is as well. Like it, it's, you know, you're just, oh my gosh. And it, it just does a good job with him from the very beginning. And, and I, I think it's really that movie's some of the best acting in the series, in my, my opinion, particularly from, I, I think, Draco is really strong in that film. You know, you just see this vulnerability of another character that you just thought was a bad, bad person. Yeah. And here he can't do it. He can't kill Dumbledore. And, uh, so I, I, I think... I think that I makes Snape so I, I seem that even movie. worse because we already hate Malfoy. We think he's the worst. And Snape does something Malfoy can't even do, you know? Like, yeah. So, so what's yeah. the next one? The half, or part two? Yeah. yeah. So the next one is Harry Potter and the Deathly House part two. Because he's really not in part one that I can remember. No, not really. Much at all. I don't think much I, happens I in part one. <laughs> I don't like part one. I think it's really boring. It's just yeah. like a bunch of camping and and looking <laughs> for clues and stuff. Like, I don't like it. They can, I, <laughs> I think people do. And, it one, bless your heart if it's your favorite, but it's just not mine. Uh, but um, part two. Uh, so here we get uh, basically... Uh, I forget where it is in the movie, but Voldemort tells Snape that he can't use the the, the wand, mm-hmm. the Elder Wand, I guess it's called, uh, if if Snape is still, if the alive. Half-Blood Prince is still alive. I think that's in so, like the fishing hut, right? When they have that confrontation. So. Yeah. And so it's in the um, boathouse or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Kate says... I just read that Rickman was one of the only people that knew Snape's history early on. When asked by directors why he was playing a scene the way he did, he would just say he knew things they didn't. <laughs> well, that explains so that's it. That's really yes. interesting. That's really interesting. Um, that's cool. So, maybe maybe she wanted that kind of performance out of him so it would make sense in the long term. Yeah, cool. I believe it from J.K. Rowling. That's really cool. That is really cool. Um, so basically, uh, the um, so Voldemort kills Snape, but before he can die, he gives his memory to Harry to put in the Pensieve. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of Snape's shining, shining moment, I guess you could say, in the Pensieve. You learn about. Uh, that you know how much he loved Snape, and you learn that. Uh, um, Kate also says this made his take on the character more accurate than it would have been. Yeah. So that that makes sense. Um, I wonder if she told other little details to to certain people. Well, I think his you is know, probably the most important like character arc, as far as like secrecy probably. goes. Like throughout, like there's not really anybody else who has like a huge a change in like viewpoint at the very end, at least from the audience's perspective. Yeah, like there's nobody we can true. completely change our feelings about besides Snape. That's true. That's true. Um, 
so we find out that he loved uh, Lily, Harry, Harry's mother, um, from the time they were little, mm-hmm. and that he hated James, Harry's father. That yeah. James was kind of a bully. That he wasn't very nice, and which was kind of, I think, a little bit gutsy of J.K. Rowling to make James Potter kind of a jerk. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting, and so basically, like he vowed to always protect Lily, and so that's the reason why he has this love-hate relationship to Harry because he hates James, but he loved Lily. So, you know, he sees the, the arrogance, he sees the bully tendencies, he sees all of that in, in Harry, but then he also sees the good side and he sees the, you know, the Lily in him. And so that's why he, he hates him and he loves him all the same time, which is really interesting dynamic. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, you just see when, when Lily dies, like that's an emotional scene. And Alan Rickman really pulls that off. I think it's one of the only times in all of these movies that we're talking about where he has like, where there's real feels where he is just crying, you know, where obviously he's devastated. And I think he pulls it off really well. It made me cry. So I guess in summary, I would say, what I would say about Alan Rickman is that in every role that he's in, you don't see Alan Rickman and you don't see Professor Snape. You see the character he's trying to portray. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Which is something that I think a lot of actors don't have. You know, like the, the Tom Cruises of the world can't pull that off. And right. <laughs> he just because it's really special. I mean, it's really because we find out that, of course, him and Dumbledore have planned the debt, planned him to kill the whole time they yeah. planned the death the whole time and you know it's just really amazing how you can go from in six from that hate I mean you just feel that hate for this character so much and then by the end you feel this love for the character that's pretty remarkable it's hard to pull but, off then. yeah that's really hard to pull off and yeah I think that he does a really good job of making villains fun of making, you know, that I tend to not be a big villain person. We've talked about this many times, <laughs> but he he does a <laughs> he does a good job, kind of making uh, them. I don't know, just not just making them more fun, making them enjoyable, and ones you remember in a way you're kind of rooting for just a little bit, <laughs> and. Yeah, you really do. You're you're absolutely right. You do see the characters. You don't necessarily see the actor. Um, and there's a lot of showy roles that you know require kind of an actor to 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 do that. But but for for him, he managed to do showy roles and still make really good characters. Yeah. And there's just been so many lame imitations of what he did as Hans Gruber, for instance. And and yet he could still do comedy with Galaxy Quest. Uh, he could do since he could do something sad with Love Actually. He could sing for goodness sakes in Sweeney Todd. And, you know, he could be in Sense and Sensibility, a period piece, and be a love interest. That's crazy. And so it's pretty diverse actually. Um and I have to say, unfortunately, he directed a movie last year called A Little Chaos. 
and it wasn't very good. He's pretty good in it, but it, it wasn't a very good film. But, uh, but oh well, can't win them all. <laughs> well, I guess he's really well rounded. <laughs> yeah, I miss him from the film industry. So. I know. I really will. I, I don't know. Just so anyway, that's sort of all I had. Those were the films. Was there any others that you? No, I any, those, were, those were all that I had on my list. Any of the other Harry Potters you want to talk about, or? Not really. I think we covered them pretty okay. good. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for doing this with me. I really appreciate yeah, it. No problem. It was fun. Yeah. And I, I will be posting uh, on probably on Saturday. Uh, Sam and I did a our top five scary movies list. We did it over the holidays, and I think I will finally post it on Saturday. So everybody look forward to that. It was a lot of fun. And uh, so, yeah, R.E.P., Alan Rickman. Uh, and um, thanks for uh, making us laugh and being a great villain and everything else. Yep. All right. Okay, thanks. All right, bye.